You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 113. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 113. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. How are you doing? How are you enjoying this holiday season? You hanging in there? Not stressing too much? Hopefully not trying to do all the things and please everybody. I got to host Thanksgiving at my house and it was just lovely appreciating it more this year than ever before because we didn't get to gather at least not you know without worry last year and the weather was really nice we got to have an outside thanks well I guess we had inside Thanksgiving and an outside Hanukkah party just two days later so I hosted twice two days in a row so that was fun but I got my son to come home from college and see all the family And I got my daughter's college applications done. Well, not all of them, of course, but the ones that were creating the most drama are um, submitted. So that was a huge load off. (laughs) And I really have sympathy for those moms who have to deal with this on a daily basis with homework because I never had to. Uh, My kids just did their homework without much uh, help from mom. And, but boy, those college applications were something. So today we are talking about needing our child to be happy. So today's question comes from Ava and she writes, my daughter is cutting herself. The knowledge of this is ripping my heart out. The only thing I ever wanted is for my kids to be happy. And she clearly is not. My head spins in circles all day, wondering what did I do wrong, worrying about whether her therapist is truly helping or whether I'm doing enough, blaming her dad, blaming COVID, blaming social media. I need her to be happy. Why can't she do a better job of managing her mental and emotional health? The stress of the situation is overwhelming to me. I want to be a good resource to her, and I have been. When I'm with her, I say the right things. If you were watching me interact with her, you'd think I had my act together. But on the inside, I'm a mess. How can I help my daughter get through this phase and find happiness without losing my mind? Ava. Well, thank you so much for your question, Ava. My heart really goes out to you. This is a really hard thing to have to witness and watch. And we we love our kids so, 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 so much. And... But I'm glad you wrote in. We're going to tackle this question today. Okay. So I'm going to start with my parent educator answer, which is I would just talk a little bit about cutting and what self harm is all about. Now, self harm is not new, it's actually been around for a very long time. And it encompasses things like cutting, scratching, hitting oneself, burning the skin hitting uh, one's head against the wall, pulling hair from the head, picking at wounds, pinching or biting skin. So teen self-harm 
to help them deal with emotional pain. It doesn't mean that they're crazy or suicidal. They just want relief from the invisible pain and pressure they feel inside themselves. So self-injury is a way to feel in control of the suffering, to provide a physical manifestation of what they feel internally, and it releases some endorphins, which helps to boost the mood. When you learn that your child is cutting, it's an opportunity to get them the help they need so that they can learn to process emotions in a healthy way. This is not a job that you can and should take on yourself. You can just help them find the right therapist to walk them through it. Even if you have your graduate degree in psychotherapy and you completed your 3,000 hours of practice, your child still deserves to have an outsider's perspective with a professional skill set so that they can build a trusting relationship with another adult. It's just too enmeshed to have living with your parents and have your parents be your parents and then to also have them the ones trying to help you through emotional difficulties and challenges and expressing. Uh, It just gets a little too messy. So I think it's helpful to have your kid have an outside therapist who's trained and an expert in dealing with this uh, kind of situation. But there are a lot of things that you can do as a mom that are helpful. So carrying the burden of your child's mental and emotional well-being is not one of them. That just feels really heavy to you. and doesn't really actually help your daughter where you feel like it's her mental and emotional being is well-being is your responsibility. That is too much to put on any human. So here's a list of seven things that a parent can do to help a child who is cutting or self-harming in any way. Number one, ask her directly if she's engaging in self-harm without judgment or worry. It's really hard to come from a neutral place when you have all these emotions on the inside, but if you can let go of the worry and let go of the judgment, then you can open up an honest dialogue about it and she will pick up on your openness and willingness to discuss what she's going through. So if you can release the judgment worry, you can ask her directly. Number two is to validate her negative emotions or her positive emotions with this very powerful, very simple three-word sentence. So when you see your daughter feeling a feeling, and she might hide them well, but if you can notice something, what you want to say is three words. You feel blank. You feel sad. You feel angry. You feel disappointed. It's going to be just a one word because it's an emotion word. We don't want to use a whole sentence because then we're giving her a thought. You feel like you wish you could go back in there and we don't want to go into long stories. Just three words and try and avoid. You can say you feel stressed, but stress is just like a cover emotion. So it's not a real emotion. So you could say you feel frustrated. You feel annoyed. And What's weird about this is even if you guess it wrong, it still feels good to the recipient because it just feels like, oh, I'm having a feeling. I'm feeling disappointed. And just putting a name on it helps contain it and makes it seem like something that they can manage and deal with. 
Otherwise, it can feel really big and really overwhelming. But if they can label it, it helps. So number two is to validate her negative emotions with this powerful three-word sentence, you feel blank. Number three is to brainstorm activities your teen can do when she's feeling stressed out. When she has the urge to self-harm, what could she do instead? Could she go for a walk? Could she call a friend? Could she play a video game with her brother or a board game or something? Number four, encourage your teen to put feelings into words. So this can be with you, like talking about her day, trying to, you know, say how she feels or um, what emotions she's picked up that day. But it could also be talking with friends. It could also be in a journal or a workbook. You know, there are, there's actually self-harm workbooks that you can get specifically for that. I love these uh, workbooks that are like self-compassion, stress management for teens. So there's some really good workbooks out there. Number five. Create opportunities for fun, either with you or with her friends. So you can fill her life with other things that she enjoys and try to come up with things that are fun for you, fun for her, or just facilitate her, you know, taking, driving her friends to the movies, driving her and her friends and, you know, asking her if she wants to invite them over, that kind of thing. Uh, that's number five. So number six is to set a good example to talk out loud about your emotions and how you process them in healthy ways. <laughs> I remember when I first started doing this, I used to be really upset when I was late and I'd be driving in the car and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why didn't I leave earlier? I should have known that I'm going to be late. I should have gone this way, not that way. And I used to beat myself up out loud in front of my kids. So then once I went through life coach training and I became aware of this pattern, I started countering that while driving in the car. I was like, oh, I'm noticing the tendency to want to beat myself up for being late. But instead, I'm going to say, oh, well, everybody's late. I can, you know, I'm sure they're going to be forgiving. I can forgive myself. And I just started processing out loud, kind of undoing all the damage and bad modeling I'd been giving them the first 10 years of their life. So uh, the last thing that you can do to help a child who is self-harming is to hold a higher vision for her future that includes overcoming self-harm. So usually what happens is our child is cutting self-harming and we take this into a dark and dismal place. We go catastrophize and futurize and we paint this picture of a really terrible future. And we think, oh no, this is bad. She needs to stop doing that right now. And so that we can get back on track. But what we want to do is when we think about her future is include the self-harm. How can she use this experience of self-harming to become a more compassionate person, to become a more, um, you know, emotionally healthy person that like she's going to use this on her journey towards adulthood to make her into a wonderful version of her instead of imagining that it's all going to go downhill from here and that, you know, going to hell in a handbasket, as they say. So our egos really like to paint these very scary pictures of our kids' futures so that we can worry about them. But worrying is not helpful. So do those tips instead Talk to her honestly without judgment or worry. Validate her emotions. Brainstorm things she can do when she feels stressed. 
encourage her to put feelings into words, create opportunities for fun, set a good example, and hold a higher vision for her future. That includes overcoming self-harm. Today's life coaching answer, or what gets in the way of being this kind of neutral, helpful, loving, supportive mom who feels peace on the inside, not just shows it on the outside. Well, what gets in our way from doing that? Lots of things, but one of them is needing your child to be happy. It sounds strange that needing your child to be happy causes unhappiness. Of course we want our kids to be happy. It's all we've ever wanted. It's why we get up at 3 a.m. to change their wet bed sheets. It's why we clean up their vomit and wipe their butts because we want them to be happy. It's why we drive them all over town to soccer games and gymnastics meets and birthday parties. Make them happy. It's why we give them candy and cookies and toys that they don't need. We want our kids to be happy. Or is it? Maybe we get up at 3 a.m. because we love them. Maybe we clean their vomit and wipe their butts because we think that's what a good mom would do. Maybe we drive them all over town because we're giving them what we wish we had had when we were their age. Maybe we give them candy and treats because we like seeing them happy. What if all the work that we have done while raising kids has been for us? The idea that I'm doing all this so she will be happy. I'm giving this to her so that I can get some happiness in return. What if that wasn't true? What if we don't need our kids to be happy in order for us to be happy? What if we don't need our kids to be happy in order to feel like a good and loving mom? Perhaps we do kind and loving things for our kids because it feels good to be kind and loving. When they experience negative emotions, as they will, about 50% of the time, being human and all, what if we could still be kind and loving and believe we're good mothers who are doing the right thing, even when they're in a dark place, even when they're sad and mad and stressed? What if we could still be a good mom? When we think the thought, I need you to be happy, it feels terrible to us and to the kids. We take all our power to feel good about the job we're doing as a mom, and we put it in the hands of a struggling, unhappy teenager. This feels terrible to us and to our team. Needing our kids to be happy feels like dependency and control. What if you don't need her to be happy? What if you can allow her to be unhappy without making it mean you have done anything wrong? We don't know her life's journey. We don't know what it's going to include along her path, but we do know that she signed up for a human experience that includes pain and suffering. We try to control our kids' happiness so we don't have to experience fear. But if we can work on releasing our fears, we give our children the gift of a sane and healthy mom. Now, I don't want you to hear all this and think, oh, fear is bad. I need to not feel fear. I need to not try to control her and I don't need her to be happy. So I'm just going to suppress my fear. I'm going to pretend it's not there. I'm going to ignore it or beat myself up for it. 
I don't want you to do that. This is counterproductive, okay? It's really helpful to have a compassionate witness who can help you uncover the things that scare you and walk you through a process of dissolving fear. This is what I do in my one-on-one coaching calls. This is what therapists do. It's a difficult thing for a mom who clearly loves her daughter very, very much to release fears on her own. You just kind of need some support for that. And you deserve to have support for yourself so that you can be a caring and compassionate support for your daughter. And so the first step is learning what is it that's scaring me? How can I release those fears so that I can find peace and contentment within myself so that I can be the best mom that she needs me to be for her right now. I actually am already starting to get some signups for my Leading Your Teen class. So if any of this is resonating with you, you can go to leadingyourteen.com and sign up for a free call with me. And we can talk about the options between the group class, the one-on-one, see if you're right, if it's a good fit for you. Um, And if so, which one? So I wish you luck, Mama. This is a difficult thing to do, but you do not have to do it alone. There is a lot of support out there for you. And she is a very lucky girl to have you as her mother. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is matching pictures. We see our kids harming themselves. We imagine all this pain and suffering. And then we match that energy. We, we do that to ourselves. She's cutting herself, maybe with the knife. You're cutting yourself with guilt and shame and regret and frustration. We match the energy with the other people in the room. So it's one of these things that's subconscious, automatic, super easy to go to. And if we don't keep tabs on it, it will uh, take control of us. And we don't want to let that happen. We go to guild with thoughts like, it's my fault. I did something wrong. I failed. We blame ourselves. Even if you blame others, it feels a little bit better than blaming yourself, but it's still not a very high level of energy. It just keeps us stuck in these lower energy levels, these negative emotions. It's a natural reaction, but it isn't a helpful one. It's the default setting of the ego to just take on all the responsibility and the blame. So instead of focusing on what we want to create with deliberate intention, we let other people or other circumstances take us on a roller coaster ride that is not very much fun. So this is an opportunity to get really clear and focused on what you want to feel, not what you want your daughter to feel, (laughs) not what you want your daughter to do, but on what you want to feel regardless of where she's at. Do you want to feel peaceful? Then focus on the, the peace all around you. Focus on things and areas of your life where you already feel at peace. Because this might be too big of a trigger, but you can still generate that emotion. If you want to feel confident, then focus on the areas of your life where you feel confident. 
don't keep your attention on the one thing that makes you most scared. If you want to release fear, we got to take the attention off of daughter and her problems and broaden your field of vision so you can create more of what you want by focusing your attention on it. Today's Supermom Power Boost is to name five things you see before you. I used to have a lot of fear. Pretty much any situation, didn't matter what it was, I could find something to be scared of. I could be in a spa getting a massage with peaceful music all around me, and I would worry about how much money I was spending or whether my massage therapist was going to talk to me the whole time. I could go on a beautiful hike in nature all by myself, and I would spend my mind worrying about being jumped or raped or attacked by a mountain lion. My mind on default came up with a lot of scary pictures and things to worry about. So having unhappy kids was an especially big trigger for me. And so I totally get it. And it would just let my imagination would go into some really dark, scary future scenarios. So when I was learning to let go of this fear, one of the most valuable things I started doing was naming five things I could see right in front of me. A computer, a light, a piece of paper, a book, a pen. Naming things you see takes you out of anxiety brain and into the present moment. I would ask myself, is there any immediate threat? Are any of these things in front of me trying to kill me? If not, then I can let it go. Am I about to die of starvation or exposure? Nobody's attacking me. So if the present moment was not an immediate threat, then I could let it go. Despite the scary and vivid pictures my mind was coming up with, these questions would force my brain to acknowledge the truth that right now, in this moment, I am safe. Once I acknowledged that it was my anxiety talking and not reality, then I could take some deep breaths. (laughs) It's like I had to prove to myself first that I was not in danger before I would take the deep breaths. So deep breathing kind of fools the mind, right? Because your brain's going to this fight or flight state and it's like danger, danger, danger. But then when we slow our breathing down, the brain gets confused because you're like, wait, that's the breathing I only do when I'm relaxed. And so it kind of throws it off. And so we want to use that because the breath is the one part of the fight or flight response that we have control over. We can't just like stop our sweating or slow down our heart rate or whatever, but you can control your breath. That's super helpful. So you take some deep breaths. And you soften your muscles because when we're relaxed and when we're feeling compassion and calm, our muscles are relaxed. So just by breathing and physically softening the muscles, it tells the brain that there's no danger and it shifts. So you're basically like going into a different part of your brain. And then I would repeat this sentence. I trust myself to rise to the occasion if something bad were to happen in the future. 
that I don't have to start preparing myself now to handle every possible inevitable bad thing that might happen (laughs) to my children. I've got to prepare for it all now is kind of what I was trying to do. And so instead, I replaced it with this mantra of, I trust myself to rise to the occasion if something bad were to happen in the future. Don't have to solve it now. I don't have to anticipate bad things happening. I can breathe and relax and trust that I will handle whatever comes my way when it comes. So try it right now. Look around you. Name five things you see. Ask yourself. Am I in any immediate danger? If not, it is safe to breathe, soften your muscles, and remind yourself that in this moment, all is well. Today's quote of the day, fear and love can never be experienced at the same time. It is always our choice as to which of these emotions we want. By choosing love, More consistently than fear, we change the nature and quality of our relationship. Gerald Jampolsky. So remember that even though it feels like we love, like we're loving our kids when we're worried about them and scared for them, it's actually two different parts of the brain. (laughs) So you can either be in fear or in love, but not in both. Love is feels much more peaceful and calming. So if you need a little help shifting from fear and worry to love, then the Leading Your Teen class is perfect for you. You can go to leadingyourteen.com, sign up, learn more about it, see if it's a good fit. And really, this is for kids who are in puberty and showing signs of adolescent angst, (laughs) turmoil. So you might have a kid who's 12, maybe not quite a teen, but if they've been in puberty for a while and they're pushing back and they're wanting independence and they don't want to do everything mom says to do, then that's perfectly fine. If you have a 20-year-old who's, you know, maybe a little, because of COVID, a lot of the kids kind of got, um, just delayed on their social and emotional development, and you feel like this class would still be helpful for a 20-year-old, you can go ahead and sign up and we'll talk about it and see if it's a good fit for you. All right, mamas, I will love you and leave you. Take care of yourselves. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.